SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. Yeah, we all know what's going on in Nigeria. But perhaps we don't know exactly why what is going on is in fact going on. Dr. Akin Olojo, senior researcher, the Institute of Security Studies based in Dakar, Senegal, is on the line this evening to talk to us about specifically the hashtag that has been doing the rounds for quite some time now and special anti-robbery squad. In Twitter streets or social media streets, it's hashtag and SARS. Dr. Olojo, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Excellent. We are in South Africa. We do have an interest in what's going on in Nigeria. We are one in the sense that we are of the brotherhood of African continent. An injury to one in the proverbial sense is an injury to all. But specifically, the pain is that of Nigerians. What's going on in Nigeria? A political synopsis. All right, thank you. This is such an important issue. And I think, like you rightly said, it cuts across a number of countries, not only Nigeria, but South Africa and even Kenya to some extent. The protests in Nigeria, especially in recent weeks, are a call by the Nigerian people for massive reforms of the police institution. That's on one level. Now, on another level, and perhaps a more critical uh, level, is that the protests are drawing attention to much-needed reforms in the wider security sector in Nigeria. So when we all see the hashtag NSARS, which refers to the special anti-robbery squad, of course, that might just be an aspect of the police institution. But then on a broader level, more significantly, it's about reforms in the security sector, which also involves the military to some extent. It's about reforms in terms of governance. So it's actually about, it's really at the heart of, you know, trying to get the attention of the government. And it's something which really I can call the strongest citizen voice on security matters in recent years. Let's talk about the need to have this conversation in relation to the administration. I do remember a couple of years ago when Nigerians were very strong in the election campaign, never mind the fact that the elections themselves might have been marred with some delays and potential corruption there. We're not going to go there. But there was a strong sentiment that it had to be Buhari or that would have been in proverbial terms the end of Nigeria because another term for good luck, Jonathan, was just for the most part not something that Nigerians wanted to see. We can't talk about this, obviously, then, without touching on the political legacy or the administration itself of President Buhari. Can you share comments on that and whether or not he is part of the problem or is hamstrung in forming the reforms? You see, one of the things which um, President Buhari promised to do, especially when he got into office, was that, one, he was going to address issues of corruption. The second was that he was going to address the economy. And the third, and perhaps most important, arguably, is addressing insecurity. So when we speak of insecurity, for instance, we're talking about you know, one of the most significant security challenges to confront Nigeria, which is the Boko Haram crisis. I mean, this is you know, one of, it's literally a crisis that has held Nigeria hostage for over a decade. 
um, the group that you know is you know at the top of all this causing the violence you know is listed among the top four deadliest terror groups in the world by the global terrorism index and you know you have you know there's so much data to, to you know to show how serious this is now when president buhari got into office these were the three things upon which you know uh, sort of he got the platform and people really believed that he was going to do something you know in a very in a new way, in a creative way, because he's someone who people believed had, you know, military experience. I mean, he's a former general. He was coming, you know, almost for the third or the fourth time contesting. He had been contesting for years. So getting into office, there was a lot of optimism. There was a lot of, uh, you know, expectation in terms of what would happen. Now, it all looked that way, but as events will show, it looks like the expectations are not being met. And in fact, it looks as if, you know, things are, you know, you know more or less uh, not making progress because the Boko Haram crisis, for one, is still there. It's still lingering. Um, police reforms, as we've witnessed in recent recent weeks, is a major, major issue. Uh, the economy is also not doing well. Uh, in terms of, um, of corruption, of course, that is still an ongoing battle. It did not start with President Buhari's administration. It's been there for a while. Correct. But then it's something which still needs attention and needs to be addressed. So there's a lot of expectation, but I think we've reached, Nigerians have reached the stage where they actually want to see something new. So unlike the time when, you know, President, former President Goodluck Jonathan, you know, people really, you know, wanted him out uh, and then someone new. So it's actually at a stage where there is a, in a sense that people want, you know, someone else who can actually deliver in terms of what has been promised. So that is the stage people are at. And the young generation in particular, Nigeria has a very young population, and they are the majority. They are the ones who have actually been on the front line of this protest. They've actually been the ones organizing themselves, campaigning, and trying to bring forth the issues, you know, present issues which affect them and indeed the country. And you see, one thing which I think is important to, to bear in mind is that there is a, a sort of irony about all what is happening with the, with the protests and the campaign. And it's the fact that the police institution and the army, you know, are actually themselves victims of the political system that actually, you know, the, the, the youth or the, the citizens are trying to reform. When you look at welfare policies affecting the police, I mean, it's, it's almost non-existent. When you look at the rank and file of, of you know, the military, they've lost you know, thousands of, of lives in, in battles against Boko Haram and its factions over the years. So when you look at all these challenges, even facing the security sector, it, you know, uh, as a whole, you realize that the protests are actually in their best interest. So the heavy-handed methods of responding to the yearnings of citizens is actually counterproductive at the end of the day. Mm, so mm, I think it's very important we look at it that way as well. Here's why I asked the question in relation to the administration of President Buhari, because one would have thought, given his military background, he would have favoured, if you like, the necessary reforms, not just in the broader security structure, but surely in defence, because that is Nigeria's protector of her sovereignty and land integrity. And because of the challenges its army has been facing for the longest time, appropriations 
and resources for it not getting to the army. That's why, for instance, the insurgents of terrorism, specifically headed by Boko Haram, are things that are happening and are happening at a scary pace and even entering into historic regions where Boko Haram wouldn't dare feature in Nigeria. Now, this is happening. These reforms, led by the youth, as you say, are taking place. The question then has to be, is Buhari that one to lead these reforms, given his age and his health? Could he then not be a tired person? You see, this is, this is also something, I mean, these are thoughts which, you know, cross the minds of a lot of people, especially uh, as, you know, Nigerians are in the, experiencing the second term of uh, President Buhari's presidency. I mean, during the first term, of course, from 2015 to 2019, uh, that was a period when, you know, a lot of people thought, okay, maybe he needed time to uh, maybe settle into into things and sort of, you know, you know, sort of reconfigure things and, and see what what can be addressed, you know, you know, systematically. But going into a second term with the same challenges, you know, faced with even perhaps more challenges, is something which, re- I mean, it really brings to the fore, you know, the, the gaps in, in governance. And, of course, we can't say that this is not, I mean, this isn't something unique to just Nigeria. Like you just mentioned now, even the insurgency involving Boko Haram affects not only Nigeria, it affects Niger, Chad, Cameroon to varying extents. Um, issues of police brutality affect even Kenya to some extent. Uh, also affects South Africa. I mean, we have a South African audience listening. Uh, we all know that during the lockdown, even uh, at the height of the lockdown, um, police officers were implicated in the killings of you know, citizens. Sorry, so Doc. Sorry, Doc. Doc, sorry, can yeah. I please interrupt you? I'm going to be interrupted by an ad break now. I don't want to interrupt you without you knowing. It's an ad break now. We'll return soon. Songes on on SAFM. We return, and thank you so much for the indulgence, Dr. Akin Olojo, Senior Researcher at the Institute of Security Studies based in Dakar, Senegal, in the west coast of the continent. You were talking about police brutality, stroke military brutality, with specific examples of Nigerian parts of Kenya and, of course, South Africa. We all know about that in the hard lockdown where we saw as many as 10 South Africans dying at the hands of security instruments in this country. Now, you were on that point, and I hadn't allowed you to finish before the ad break. You want to carry on from there, please? Indeed, thank you. Um, I was trying to make the point that what we're dealing with in terms of police brutality, these challenges are actually all-encompassing, and even arguably uh, something which we've seen even in, in other countries outside Africa, like even the U.S. with the killing of uh, George Floyd. Now, looking at the context of not just Nigeria, but also the countries we just mentioned, um, it's important to bear in mind that countries in the region must also recognize that this is something that affects them. So when we see this happening in South Africa, in Kenya, in Nigeria, it's important that countries view themselves in you know, the situation that is unfolding. So, for instance, it's not just a problem which only the Nigerian government or maybe the Nigerian National Assembly has to obviously take a strong stance on and address, but one which perhaps at a regional or even continental level needs to really be examined and looked into. Because we've seen in the past where um, protests in one country can also sort of spiral into another country, and then we've seen how things spread. We've seen where citizens rise up in one country and then how, you know, with social media and platforms that transcend borders actually 
facilitate you know, uh, you know, yearnings by citizens who want to see reforms. So it's important that the region and the continent actually looks at this with very keen eyes. Um, I think, I mean, in, in discussing this, for instance, I think it's also important to mention that a lot of times Nigerians are often seen as, uh, you know, cited in the media, for instance, as maybe uh, involved in drug peddling, sometimes involved in, uh, you know, illegal migration across the Sahara into Europe. Nigerians are cited among, you know, those involved in advancing fraud. But then I think what this protest and campaigns we're witnessing in Nigeria actually highlight is that we're seeing a young generation and Nigerians in general who actually are mobilizing themselves through a campaign against bad governance and trying to reform governance, actually transforming governance. You know, so we see a profound narrative by Nigerians, owned by Nigerians, that aims to reform governance. So I think this is very important because it also has a way of, you know, I mean, there are different sides of the story, and I think this particular aspect is really, really important. So it's one which, you know, really shows that people are really genuinely interested in seeing a reform in governance, addressing corruption, addressing, uh, you know, security sector, you know, challenges beyond just being involved in the problems themselves. Let's talk about the reforms in government necessary. Nigeria, close to 200 million people, by far Africa's most populous country, and a very strategically important one at that, given the fact that it has access to ECOWAS and Central Africa, and which is more, it is placed between two francophone nations. So the geopolitical importance of Nigeria cannot at all be understated. But the governance system itself almost lends itself to poor governance in this sense. The appropriations from the federal government are based on the numbers of the constituency or the population of the respective constituencies. So you will get more money if you are in a greater population area for, on, for, for argument's sake. What that means, it creates an incentive to cook the numbers so that your population records as more than it actually is. And therein lies the nub where, first of all, there isn't an accurate reflection of the numbers. And what follows is the finance is similarly going to be skewed or the resources that are apportioned to the respective constituencies in the state of Nigeria. And then, which is more because of that, you find then competing interests that eat into not just governance, but even the security. Hence, this problem that you had highlighted earlier on in relation to the rations that the security cluster does not get, that it should get. Of course, youth feel disempowered and disenfranchised because now, it's essentially a vicious cycle where because one thing has gone wrong, everything else spirals in that particular pattern and so continues. No, no th- thank you very much. Um, th- that's an important observation. Um, but I'd like to sort of uh, nuance this a bit. Sure, um, It may not necessarily be a case where, uh, you know, depending on the numbers from a particular state or, or region or zone of the country, uh, will determine how much of the resources or what proportion of the resources will go there. I think it's good to look at it also in terms of the elites versus those who are actually, you know, deprived within the country. So irrespective of religion, irrespective of the ethnic uh, group or part of the country, irrespective of the state, there is, of course, that 
elite class, which a lot of citizens perceive and feel that they are the ones in control of the resources. And it transcends, you know, ethnic cleavage or, or religion, like I mentioned. So it's about people who are deprived and who are pitched against those who are in control of resources. So it's really about looking at it that way. And I think it's also a picture which reflects even to some extent in a number of other countries and even, you know, to, to, to another extent globally. So it's about, so, so what we see unfolding in the present day period is a case where citizens are actually gradually waking up and realizing that whoever they vote into office, even if it's someone from their own state or someone from their own ethno-religious uh, you know, zone of the country or, or, or you know, part of the country, it must go beyond that. And it must be, whoever you vote must be someone who actually knows what is expected to be done, who is you know, based on merit. And I think gradually, I, I, I'm, I would like to be very optimistic about you know, the trends to come because I think as the elections, you know, sort of, you know, come closer in 2023, we're going to have elections in Nigeria. I think we, we might actually get to a point in the country where citizens will actually be compelled to vote for someone based on merit and not just based on ethno-religious sentiment. I think that trend really is one which is catching on quite strongly among the youth and which is why they have been inspired, you know, in recent weeks and, uh, you know, in recent months to protest and to try and organize themselves. And we can see even among the youth during the protest in, in Nigeria, we saw, uh, you know, medical practitioners, we saw, uh, you know, media startups, we saw um, people, you know, food vendors, people involved in IT, and, you know, just trying to organize themselves, even trying to offer free bonus services, you know, to, to citizens, you know, even on the streets, and trying to even help each other. There was, you know, some, some pooling of funds, you know, mobilization of funds by different groups, you know, among the youth and the disbursement of those funds. You know, there was, a, you know, sort of a reflection of leadership, you know, that sort of spread across, you know, different groups, you know, among those protesting. You know, something which sort of challenges this uh, traditional idea of a vertical structure of, of, of leadership or power, you know, that top-down image. So I think we're seeing this, we're actually getting to a point where Nigerians and hopefully other African countries, especially the young population, would actually wake up and choose leaders who actually have their interests at heart. That's as good a point where we can leave this conversation. My brother, thank you so much, Dr. Akin Olojo. All the best to you in the region, Senegal there. And of course, we do hope that the fortunes of our brothers across the equator, which are tied to ours, do indeed improve for the better. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to join this uh, conversation. That was the African narrative then with our guest based in Dhaka, Senegal, who's a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies, Dr. Akin Oloja, talking to us about many other things, but not least the reforms that are fundamental to Nigeria and changing the narrative coming out of that most otherwise wonderful country.